Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons & Dragons, from early editions to entertaining encounters. And today, we're finally covering Eberron. All right, Brian, it is finally time to tackle an entire campaign setting. I kept seeing it on our um, on our upcoming schedule, just like and move it, down the line. Can't be moved back because, yeah, this is definitely the biggest research topic I think I've ever had to do. Honestly, the best case scenario is that it got moved back because you have all, all these notes, mm-hmm. so many notes in front of you. So many notes. And it's because we got... Rising from the Last War, which is true. full of Eberron content. Indeed. So this is going to kind of be an overview of that that uh, that recent uh, tech stock you from Wizards, right? Right. Now, okay. technically, this isn't the first campaign setting we're covering. We did cover Ravenloft. Yes. But Ravenloft is more of a mini setting. Yeah. You're you not, know, it's, 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 it's basically like, set to like this county sized area. It's literally almost a bubble. <laughs> right. It, uh, pretty much. And Eberron's its entire not only planet, but cosmology. So coming into this episode, we have already touched on quite a few Eberron subjects. We covered the various uh, races. We did um, Warforge. We did Changelings. We did Shifters. We did the Kalishtar. Um, we Most covered the, recently the Artificer. Yeah, we just did the Artificer, uh, Artificer class. So hopefully uh, these episodes have started to paint a picture of the world of Eberron. Yeah, those are like uh, things that you can play with. Those, mm-hmm. are, those are official content for the Dungeon Master and the player. Indeed. With this episode, we're not going to go over those subjects much at all. We've already tackled them. We have episodes on them. 
Um, yeah, just know they all exist within this world. Indeed. We're going to cover the world as a whole. Kind right. Of blank, I think the, a blanket goal topic. Of, the goal of this episode should be the covering of general general information on the setting to help someone not entirely familiar with it decide if this is the setting that they might want to add Dungeon Master in. It is mine. Yeah, if I were to pick a single setting, like official setting to run a game in, it would probably be Eberron because yeah. it's the most interesting. And to like me. not my own setting because my setting is like a blend. Yeah, I use a lot exactly. of Eberron elements. I use some Forgotten Realms elements because I like the Sword Coast. But right, right. You know, like so. I I would say think of it as more of a broad overview that when paired with our other Eberron-specific episodes, paints a more complete picture of the setting itself. Yes, this can help a lot of people, even if you're not looking to run an exclusively Eberron thing. Like I said, there are a lot of cool, really, really cool niche things that you can take from Eberron and apply to your game. Indeed. So Eberron is a D&D setting that fuses genres from outside classic high fantasy with the game of swords and sorcery that we love. Um, I think a lot of the more popular D&D settings have this in common. Uh, Ravenloft fuses gothic horror with fantasy. Dark Sun fuses post-apocalyptic with fantasy. And Eberron fuses a kind of steam, steampunk slash pulp noir with fantasy. Yeah, high um, technology setting. Yeah, I think the closest I could describe the Eberron setting in like a sentence would be Indiana Jones meets Full Metal Alchemist meets Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I know not everyone will relate to those touchstones, but Eberron has... The swashbuckling noir feel of Indiana Jones or the early like 1900s adventure magazine stories. I don't know if you read any of those. Yeah, because you're dealing with you're dealing with like that technological era where you're going to see a lot of those elements. Right. The highest technology thing they have are like trains and guns. Right. Like in an Indiana Jones thing that isn't a supernatural like power or plane. And then it also has like the steampunkish Magitech society of like a full metal alchemist anime. And uh, has also all the classical fantasy tropes of elves, demons, dungeons, wizards, and dragons. Yeah, all the things it's, you love about D&D live here alongside all these other things. Yeah. yeah, The like very scientific approach to magic, like how Full, full Metal Alchemist kind of has. Yes, very much here. So. Yeah. So another factor separating the Eberron setting from many others is the uniqueness of its cosmology, um, its origin mythos, and its pantheon, or lack thereof a pantheon. There is kind of a pantheon, Um but it doesn't really resemble any other uh, D&D settings. There is no God here, asterisk. There are, but there aren't. <laughs> it's there, interesting. There might be a God here, asterisk. In some ways, it reminds me of Dragon Age, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, it shares very little with classic D&D. That's all you really need to As know. far as a pantheon. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with the origin mythos of Eberron. Here we go. Let's do it. At the dawn of time, <laughs> there were three godlike beings known as the Progenitor Dragons. Ooh. Their names were Siberus. Kyber and Eberron. Nice. Together, these deity-like beings created 13 different planes of existence, each representing an elemental concept. In this case, I mean quintessential rather than, say, like elemental. Although in some cases, the planes are also literally elemental, like fire, ice, etc. Is that kind of like like beams of light in a way? Or like bends in 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 uh, Dark Tower. There's like the bends of the rainbow. There's like these okay, thirteen so, magic balls. Okay, let me. So when I say quintessential, I mean like each plane represents like a concept, like madness or order. Just like um, classic. Uh, kind of. Except well, for like well, those alignment. two were from classic, but there's thirteen planes that don't match classic. I got you. Okay, okay. but some of them also are. Uh, literally elemental, meaning like planes of ice or planes of shadow and stuff like that. Anyways, they're all different. Go look it up. (laughs) The last of their creations was the material plane, a blank canvas upon which they could manifest all their ideas. Enter a concept known as the Draconic Prophecy. Okay. 
So the Dracotic Prophecy is an odd concept, either created by or discovered by the progenitor dragons. It is a hidden pattern interwoven throughout reality. Um, it lies within the position of stars and planets in the complex behavior of natural phenomenon and in the ancient writings of lost civilizations. It is exceptionally complex and only the wisest can glimpse it. But essentially, uh, let me, oh gosh, this did not go smoothly. Essentially, it is a map of the universe's fate. Uh, those able to read and understand the Draconic Prophecy or parts of it can see glimpses into possible futures. Uh, most never bother to try and understand the Draconic Prophecy because its complexity demands decades, if not centuries, to discern even a single line of it. Um, <laughs> you get like a month into researching uh, it, you close the book, you're like, nah, you fuck know, this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, those most adept at its translation are Ancient Dragons or the Elves of Arunel or um, the immortal Rashasas, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so the progenitor dragons either discover or invent the Draconic Prophecy and then proceed to fight over its use. Um, the cruel and greedy Kyber sought dominion over the prophecy and the material plane by proxy, and she struck at Siberus without warning. In doing so, she destroyed her brother. Um, Eberron wrestled with her sister, Kyber, and in uh, an act of desperation, she enveloped Kyber to become a living prison, a world that would contain Kyber's evil. Siberus, or Siberus became known as the Dragon Above, a ring of golden dragon shards that orbits the planet and is said to be the source of all magic. Eberron became known as the Dragon Between, the world upon which all the races and creatures live, and Kyber became known as the Dragon Below, the Underdark, and the source of aberrations and fiends. Kyber eternally struggles against her bonds and yearns to destroy the world above. Wow. Okay, cool. So that is the origin mythos of Evron. Very unique and very not like other D&D settings. It reminded me of the, like the Dumbledores fighting in Harry Potter. Like they don't touch on it till like book seven, but hmm. like, they, never mind. What? <laughs> there are like three of them. Don't worry about it. Okay. Or like, uh, not, th uh, yeah. Never mind. I read those books. I don't remember what you talked about. Oh, like Aberforth and Albus, and like there's uh -huh. like this, oh Dumbledore, yeah, yeah that's the last Dumbledores, name got you. Okay. yeah, like the, the brothers, they, the, the three brothers, yeah, well, fighting the two, over the, the two Hallows. brothers and the sister, and then yeah, Grindelwald yeah, yeah. was there, oh, yeah. I guess. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Sorry, uh, okay, yeah, siblings fighting. Well, I guess yeah, there's a connection. It, it fell away as soon as you were like, one of them became Hades. So I was like, oh, no, <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. Exactly. One of them became a barkeeper. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> So a lot of the history that happens between this event and the present day of Eberron um, is pretty extensive. I'm not going to go over all of it, but here's a quick rundown of the timeline. And I call this history of Eberron in 11 points. I watched that YouTube. <laughs> that's, that's a clickbait title for a YouTube video. Yeah, it is. We should do that. But America here, in I guess five it, minutes. I guess here it is. It's just a picture of a cowboy hat. Okay. All number right, one. Let's do it. Three beings come into existence and at the behest of... The uh, three beings come into existence at the behest of progenitor dragons, Coatls, dragons, and fiends. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. Coatls were created by Sibiris. Um, I think they were actually created by the blood spilt from his killing. Um, dragons, Eberron just made, and then fiends were born uh, from Kyber. Okay. Number two, at some point, Kyber's fiendish offspring overrun the surface, creating a hellish environment rolled over by Rakshasas. I hate that word. And night <laughs> it's just so hard to say. Rakshasas. Rakshasas. And night hags for nine million years. So nine million years, demons rule the world. <laughs> Good okay. job. Good job, Eberron. There seems like there's some obscurity in that, in that number, but okay. There it is. Uh... Point three, Coatls and dragons team up to fight the baddies. Yes, uh, Coatls, I love it. Coatls make a big sacrifice play by fusing all their souls into one soul, um, and then they win the fight, and the dragons go celebrate and contemplate the prophecy, ignoring all the lesser races. I love Coatls. You remember Sweet Boy? 
I remember Sweet Boy. <laughs> How could I forget? Point number five. Oh, no, excuse me. Point number four. Giants realize that they're the new biggest things around and conquer the world and enslave the elves. <laughs> I just imagine them like, in the aftermath, they're like looking around. It's yeah. like, are we wait, doing wait. this? I think we're doing this. I think we're doing this. <laughs> uh, they look fun. Let's yeah. go. Let's go get the elves. Point number five, dragons uh, come into contact with giants and teach them magic. Giants al- <laughs> <laughs> giants almost accidentally destroy the world with magic. Yes! <laughs> the I el- love this. The elves rebel, and the giants threaten to go nuclear with their magic. Uh, dragons don't like that. They show up, and they just kill all the giants. <laughs> so They're like, whoa, we should not have taught you this. We fucked up. <laughs> they go to bed, and they wake up the next day. Like, dra- Maybe dragons, that could mean like a year or whatever. They come back. Right. They're like, what the fuck? Guys. Indeed, that's pretty much happening. This is not why we taught you magic. Point number six, elves become the dominant species and build an empire that sometimes fights with the dragons, but not really. So are elves of Coralon in this world? No, or? no. Okay, okay. They just uh, happen to be here. They just happen to be here. The creation of Eberron? They just, the lesser races appeared. It's not really explained. <laughs> okay. Um, point seven, 30,000 years later, uh, all the other races have now emerged and populated the continent of Corvair, which we'll get into a little bit later. All right. Point number eight. At some point, some human named Galifar conquers the whole continent of Corvair. Point number nine. This empire lasts 900 years until King Jarrett dies and no one likes his successor. So the kingdom breaks into five nations set on killing each other, otherwise known as the Last War. Nice. The war lasts 100 years and lots of cool weapons and robots get made. Then some super weapon destroys the nation of Kyre. No one knows what the fuck it was, but that nation's gone. Uh, everyone decides to calm the fuck down and the war ends. Uh, present day. That's point 11. It's present day. Okay, nice. Point 11. Those Let's are go. my 11 points of the history of everyone. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. There's the past. <laughs> All right. So next I want to go over the general geography of the world of Eberron. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there are five major continents in this setting. The first of which we will talk about is Corvair. So Corvair is the primary continent of Eberron, of the Eberron setting in a narrative sense. This is where all the stuff happens and what most of the published material covers. It is found in the northern hemisphere. It has a wide and varied landscape, including mountain ranges, wastelands, deserts, jungles, and forests. It is home to the five nations that were originally part of the kingdom of Galifar, along with some new nations now. Um, all the various races dwell here and have a presence um, it is home to the dragon-marked houses, which we'll get into in a little bit. It is the place of advanced magic uh, technology, such as the lightning rail trains, ever-burning lanterns, glamour-weave clothing, self-powered appliances, and airships. Nice. Uh, I like a lot of the words you said. Yeah, a lot of those sound really cool, right? In a nutshell, <laughs> this is everything you need for a and d campaign. Don't worry about the other continents yeah. if you don't want. This you can is, do it if all you want, from here. If you want to run a Final Fantasy game, this is the setting you should do it in. <laughs> oh, totally. Um, uh, there's, uh, this is, is this like the Baldur's Gate equivalent? Of? This is like the Sword Coast equivalent of Forgotten Realms. Totally, okay. So yeah. that Corvair that. is yeah, their yeah, yeah. Sword Coast. I got you. Um, so the next uh, continent is the Island Continent of Arenal. Uh, this densely forested continent lies southeast of Corvair and is the seat of power of the Aranel Elves, ruled over by the sibling kings and the Undying Court. So this ancient kingdom is extremely isolationist and has a very unique government system. It's an aristocracy that's really more of a meritocracy, so it's like the more you achieve, the higher in standing you are. Nice. Um, and they have an appointed sibling pair as monarchs. They always have to be brother and sister, and they always have to be a sibling pair. I, it's weird. It's it's a weird government system. That and, sounds strange. And yeah. then on top of that, there's a council of not evil undead as a guiding body of the nation. So like, not evil. Hang on a second. Let me like my brain needs to like kind of move that around a little yes. bit. Um, 
not evil undead. So just ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess ghosts. Um, <laughs> basically, yeah, they're just ghosts. Okay. I mean, I can see why that is a it's, good thing to have. That's called, very handy. They're called the Undying Court, and they're the elves who've risen high enough and joined the Undying Court. Um, and they get to have a lot of say in the government. The, we go from the, the memory of elves is long to the memory of elves is infinite. So that totally but, breaks the elven reincarnation soul kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like I said, nothing to do with classic D&D. Right. Nothing okay. whatsoever, yeah. Except that they're elves. Except for that they're and elves. they live a thousand they years. They have 20 years, and they have a lot of elven tropes, yeah. Though not as technologically advanced, the Arenal elves have a much deeper understanding of magic than the rest of the world, besides maybe dragons. They're philosophy-based, not tech-based. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> So south of both of these continents is a massive continent called Zendrik. This is a mysterious continent of jungle, mountain, and desert where the giants once ruled, but now whose ancient ruins are hidden within the unbounded wilderness. Yeah, because the giants all got eated. <laughs> yeah. Outside of a few port colonies in the north northernmost regions, uh, Corvair and Arnel civilization has not managed to take hold here. Primitive giants and mysterious drow populate these lands. Um, and expeditions from Corvair risk their lives for ancient artifacts and dragon shards fallen from the heavens. So remember those shards that kind of orbit the the world, their source of all magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah Cyberus's right. body. They fall sometimes. So oh, everyone's wow. a world everyone's a world with a ring. Like yes, a, yes, like a yes. Saturn style ring. Sometimes these shards fall, and when they fall, they fall along the equator, which most of them fall in this mysterious continent of Zendrik. So expeditions to retrieve dragon shards happens all the time. Also known as plot hooks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next, let's talk about Sarlona. It's a continent far to the east of Corvair, primarily populated by humans. This was once considered the cradle of human civilization until the Korai of Delcor infiltrating the ruling caste. Ruling class via psychic power, creating beings known as the Inspired. We talk about this in the Kalishtar. The Inspired are like basically, to put it in simplest term, psychic entity possessed beings that are trying to wipe out the world. <laughs> psychic entity possessed beings. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So psychic damage is, is yeah. really hard for barbarians. So. so now the Inspired rule an empire over the whole continent, save for one nation, Adar, which is home to the Kalishtar. We talk about that in the Kalishtar episode. Uh, uh, this nation alone stands against these alien invaders. Uh, like I said, see the Kalishtar episode. It wasn't even that long ago that we did the Kalishtar episode. <laughs> I should go back and watch it's the Kalishtar episode. It's a unique bit of lore. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool episode. Okay. So, any questions before we move on? Uh, let's move on. All right. Finally, there is a continent called Argonesson, uh, which lies south of Sarlona. This continent is almost entirely unexplored by anyone from Corvair, Arenal, or Sarlona due to the fact that dragons rule here. Extremely isolationist, dragons have shielded their continent from divination and teleportation of all kinds and forbid visitors. Dragon-worshipping barbarians roam the coasts, attacking said visitors who try and show up here. But no one knows how many dragons dwell here or what their civilization is like. It's a complete mystery. So we haven't touched so much on the like technology side of of the Ebron world. Like mm-hmm. we have, we're talking a lot of macro here and not a lot of uh, yep. too much micro so far. Mm-hmm. But uh, late late game plot hook. You got a submarine in there. You got to <laughs> yeah, find like an underground that. tunnel, yeah, an yeah. underground ocean tunnel. You got yeah. a submarine in there, and that's how you get into those dragons. I really like that idea. I did it. I don't even know the setting <laughs> that well. With that being said, let's take a short rest. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Selling a little. Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody and welcome to the part of the episode we're not talking about that last thing, we're talking about this new thing. It's our love for you, because you can hear the sound of my voice and the sound of Will's voice. Oh, check this out. This is what Will sounds like when he tells you he loves you. I love you. Shit, that was good. Uh, I love you guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, thanks to everybody on Patreon. Uh, as we said in the last episode, yes, it's the holidays. Thank you guys for sticking around and uh, using some of your funds to power the dungeon cast. That's literally what you do. We buy equipment and we buy lighting and we buy green screens and we buy terabytes of storage, which we fill up very fast and <laughs> things of that nature. Um, you guys are the reason that we are able to improve the show. And keep it running the way that we do. Um, we've upgraded our mics. We've done so much stuff, and it's thanks to you guys. We want to do more for you, and we're going to do more for you. Uh, we epi- we uh, mentioned last episode that we were going to kind of work in a couple of little little things here and there, a little simple things. If you are an Electrum tier pa- uh, patron, that's our $10 and up thing, you're already getting access to early episodes. You're already getting Flashbang and the Surgeon. You're getting uh, Ranger Danger, the Halloween special. Um, pretty much any live game stuff that we have on there, the Vault Raiders, which I think you can get at five. You're getting your shout on the show. Now you have another opportunity to get something cool, which we think, well, I mean, I think it's cool, but if you want to send us a message on Patreon, we want to read it at the end of the episode. So you guys can go ahead in Patreon, send us an email or message or however that works. And, um, you can just follow like our general rules. You can see like our discord rules. Those are really good guidelines. Maybe we'll post them in Patreon to get, make sure everybody is on the same page. You know, don't be like hateful and, and things like that in, this, in these messages. But if you have a question for us about the show, about a specific bit of lore, um, we get a lot of emails to the dungeoncast at gmail.com asking for suggestions like, Hey, I'm going to run this dragon. What do I do? 
blah, 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 those types of things. We like to answer those. But if you want us to answer them on the show or if you just want to just kind of reach out and say hi, whatever it is you want to write, send us a message in Patreon. If you are an Electrum tier patron or higher, we would be happy to read it at the sh- uh, during the long rest portion of the show, which uh, is at the end. Um, other than that, um, find us at... Uh, on Twitter at the Dungeon Cast, on Instagram you can find me at the Dungeon Cast. Will runs a Twitter, I run the Instagram. I've been getting a lot of really cool Instagram messages from people. You guys are just like sending me memes and stuff. It's been really fun. Um, I don't have the time to like reply to everybody all the time, but I'll try to get. I I we like to try and make our rounds. We reply to all our emails like every you know once a week, uh, a few times a month, as much as we can. Same thing with Instagram and Twitter. We we're kind of at this point getting flooded. <laughs> across all of our platforms but uh don't stop sending messages we love to read them we do try to read them all and respond to everybody uh eventually um so thank you very much the um these patreon messages are going to take priority obviously we're going to try to read one or two of them at the end of every episode so uh or maybe more it depends on how many we get but feel free to do that if you're already on patreon if you're interested in joining patreon we have links below um check out super quest saga it's a live game space game that will dms uh and me and jake and freeland play and it's really really good um, like we said last episode, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening there right now. Uh, so if you are already watching, please tell somebody about that show and make sure you catch the next few episodes because it's going to be a good time. Uh, I think with that, we should probably get back to the show. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> Poor Will. Let's get back to the show. All right, Brian. We've returned. Indeed we have. And the next big Eberron-specific subject we're going to cover uh, is a major aspect of both the world in a lore um, way, but also an actual game mechanics way. Okay. And these are the Dragon Marks and the Dragon Marked Houses. So Dragon Marks are considered to be physical manifestations of the Draconic Prophecy, which we talked about earlier. They help you avoid plagues like in the Bible? Um, Not really. <laughs> so that's what I thought of, like marking people's doors. Oh, you know, these are marks on the body. Okay. Uh, They are magical symbols that manifest on the skin of people in vivid colors and grant those they mark with inherent magical abilities. Oh. Um, These dragon marks. Chosen. These dragon marks define Corvair society. Oh. And we're going to get into how and why as we keep going. Okay. So one cannot buy or choose to develop a dragon mark. Each mark, of which there are 12, there used to be 13, but now there's only 12, is tied to a specific bloodline. Most people who develop a dragon mark, blood, um, dragon mark will do so in their adolescence, and it usually follows through a bloodline. Um, there are some rare instances of people not being part of a bloodline that will develop um, dragon marks, and it could develop at any point in their life. So this is a, I'm, I'm all over these plot hooks right now, man. Yeah. But like this is one thing where like, could you have a changeling with a sick tattoo to like <laughs> impersonate somebody? Unfortunately, changelings are not one of the bloodlines. No, that's what I mean. Is like you could. You could be a changeling and then oh, like fake and it with a tattoo. Mm, probably they? not because the dragon marks don't look like just tattoos. Like they glow and they shine and like yeah, I don't but think you got, chain- the, you got the artificer, bro. You can like I mean, yeah, I think with some work maybe, but even then, uh, it would be difficult for sure. That's the thing. Is, is of course it would be difficult, but it's difficult Possible, becoming sure. fake king. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so there was once 13 dragon marks, but only 12 remain after House of Vol, an elven house that had the mark of death, was eradicated by the Aranel elves for its inhumane necromatic pra- practices. Uh, the other 12 marks are detection, finding, handling, healing, hospitality, making, um, passage, scribing, sentinel, shadow, storm, and warding. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Each of these marks is tied to a specific house that has utilized its mark to monopolize upon some specific industry. Together, they are known as the Dragon Marked Houses, and their influence and power is unrivaled in all of Corvair. Their industries have changed the face of society in the world of Eberron. So, like, corporate CEO, like, yes. families? Yes. It's exactly what it is. Wow. So, let's go through them. It's like a mob. Kinda. So, let's start with the Mark of Detection. The Mark of Detection is a mark that sharpens the powers of observation and intuition within its bearer. Um, it allows this bearer to draw connections and interpret clues with extreme acuity. This mark is tied to the half-elf House of Madani. House Madani controls a company called the Warning Guild, which brokers bodyguards and inquisitives specializing in risk assessment, subtle threats, and complex mysteries. This is a fucking mob. Yep. <laughs> Next, Mark of Finding. Uh, mark finding is a mark that sharpens the physical senses of its bearer, guiding the hunter to prey. This mark is tied to House Tharashk, a house made up of both human and half-orc bloodlines. Ooh, this house cool. specializes in bounty hunting, exploring, and acquisitions. It is also the youngest and least influential of the houses. Is it led by a guy named Mark? <laughs> That'd be great. Mark of Handling is a mark that gives its bearer a preternatural connection to animals and the natural world, giving them the ability to understand, calm, and coax beasts of magical, both magical and mundane. This mark is borne by House Vidalis, a human house that handles the bulk of Corvair's meat and animal industry. Farming, hound racing, horses, exotic mounts like hippogriffs. This house even goes as far as breeding superior versions of all these animals. And some rumors suggest they may even be attempting to mage breed better humans. Ooh, okay, cool. And this is where we start to see the darkness of the dragon marked houses and how there's a lot of conspiracy theories because of how powerful they are. They're all led by people named Mark. <laughs> I'm the mark of handling. So next is the mark of healing, which sounds like a really benevolent mark, but shit gets pretty dark. I'm the most benevolent mark. Mark of healing is a mark that grants its bearer with the ability to heal with a touch, an innate sense for the nature of maladies and the medicine required to cure them. Some mark bearers are said to even bring the dead back to life. Ooh, what? This mark is tied to House Jurasco, a halfling house that runs schools of medicine and pharmaceuticals supplied to all of Corvair. That kind of tracks with our um, our last NPC, Homie. <laughs> they are an extremely <laughs> profitable and powerful house. Though on its face, it's an altruistic house. Some rumors claim House Jurasco has been involved in the development of biological weapons. Okay. Wow. Next. That's World War One scary. Yes. Um, As a lot of Eberron things tend to be. <laughs> Indeed. Even though we, I feel like we haven't really gotten to that, like how we've talked about that in like the Warforged episode. We talked about the last war in the Warforged episode. Yeah. So if you want more in that, go there. <laughs> yeah. That, it's really good, but th I can see some of the seeds here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next is the Mark of Hospitality, which also sounds really benevolent, but kind of has a darker side. So the Mark of Hospitality is a mark that grants its bearer an innate comforting charisma, sense of cleanliness, and the ability to cook, decorate, and homemake. This mark is tied to house... Galandra, or oh no, Galada, excuse me, a halfling house with a monopoly on inns, taverns, and restaurants, all licensed by its Hostelers Guild. Totally tracks. Great. Another extremely lucrative business that seems harmless on the outside, but but Galada's strength lies is, lies in its information and connection. It's like a medieval data collection. Yeah, agency. man. Don't fuck with halflings. They'll cut your Achilles <laughs> out from under you. They'll create biological weapons and they'll steal all your secrets. <laughs> you will infringe upon my hospitality. <laughs> it's so true. 
<laughs> so next is the mark of making. Now this is the big one. Mark of making is a mark that guides its bearer through any action of creation. Bearers of this mark can mend broken things with a touch and have an innate sense of artistry and engineering. This mark is born of House Caneth, a true powerhouse of Eberron society and economics. This house dominates all forms of manufacturing and Corvair, both magical and mundane. Assembly line factories producing common goods in mass, laboratories facilitating new technology, and academies training artisans across Corvair, Corvair all fall within the control of House Caneth. Damn, I am I am my name is Mark and I'm I'm the best mechanic. <laughs> house Caneth is also the leader of the Dragon Marked houses. They build all the tools upon which the other houses rely. The la- the last war profited House Caneth greatly as all sides were desperate for weapons and supplies which House Caneth supplied. House Caneth is also responsible for the creation of every warforged. Oh wow. Which we talked about in the yeah, We did. I kind of remember yes. that that being a thing like this uh there's some crooked shit going on here, right? That being said, House Kenneth has suffered a major blow as um, their home of operations was in the nation of Kyre, which was the nation that fucking imploded. Ah, there yeah. we go. Okay. So a little bit of both. Um, I'm the Mark of Marks. Here's a gun. Mark is also a robot man. Mark of Passage. Uh, mark of Passage is a mark that supplies this bearer with unnatural speed of movement and even magical abilities to enhance it, this movement or teleportation. Um, this mark belongs to the human bloodline of House Orion. This house manages transport of goods and people all over Corvair, Corvair including the Lightning Rail and long distance teleportation services. This mark started Uber and Lyft. Indeed. Okay. Mark of Scribing. Um, this is a mark that grants this bearer mastery over communication. They can; These people can feel words as if they are living creatures attempting to make their meaning known. They can often speak multiple languages fluently and eloquently, and they are masters of magic pertaining to communication. This mark belongs to the Gnomish House of Civis. They hold a monopoly on scribes, interpreters, cartographers, and lawyers. They also hold and own all the speaking sp- stones, which are devices that allow for long-distance instant communication. There is so much, like... Everybody's just a dragon in Ebron, just hoarding all their own shit. Yeah, uh, this, this is this like is a the, world where corporations rule everything. Is this kind of like the guy um, from Name of the Wind? You gotta know. Um, you gotta know who I'm talking about. He's like the main dude that's gonna write both story. Patrick Rothfuss? No, no, no. Oh, that's so meta. You what went. Are we way, talking about? What? You zoomed out. It's a character in the book. Character in book who does what? The guy. He's like the he's like the main dude that's like getting Gross? both to tell the story. Oh, chronicler. Chronicler. Okay. They're all chronicler. I guess so, yeah. Except for they're way more uh, in tune with the articulate word. than chronicler can be sometimes. I suppose that's true. Yeah, but the, isn't chronicler like from a guild, like kind of like this? It, it, um, why is no. that ringing such a strong bell for me? No, chronicler. He's part of a secret society, kind of. Right. This okay. Is spoilers, by the way. Sorry. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> well, not um, how spoilery is it? Dude, anything spoilers like right these off the days. Bat. I swear you can't say anything. We are a spoiler-based podcast. We <laughs> talk about the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. If you do not want to know what happens in the Ebron book, if you're like a player... Oh, no, I was talking about not, Name of the Wind spoilers. We are a spoiler-based podcast. It blanket terms for everything. We talk like, about spoilers we like to on the like, show. We like to talk about cool shit. So we talk about cool shit. Uh, we, maybe we should add it to our podcast description that we are a spoiler-based podcast. We make uh, This podcast thrives on spoilers. <laughs> Moving on. (laughs) Mark of Sentinel. Uh, This is a mark of protection. Bearers of this mark have heightened senses and reflexes in response to threats. It gives a bearer access to protective magics. This mark belongs to the human house of Denith, 
and they govern over mercenary and bodyguard services, as well as running a police network known as the Sentinel Marshals. Hi, my name is Mark, and I'm, I've been hired to kill you. Yeah, so, <laughs> so this house has a monopoly on the police. Yeah, that's that's scary. That's Indeed. horrifying. I should say this. I'm not sure if I get to it in my notes. I think I do. Oh, yeah, I do. So I'll talk about it later. Nice. Um, <laughs> next is the Mark of Shadow. So this mark uh, gives its bearer mastery over illusion magic and stealth. And it is one of the oldest marks and is one of the two held by the elves or the only one held by the elves because the other the other one uh, being the eradicated mark of death. Okay. (laughs) This mark belongs to House Fjarlan and is made up of the elves who fled R&L after the attack on the bearers of the mark of death. They said, fuck this noise. We're leaving. Uh, House (laughs) Fjarlan specializes in two things, entertainment and espionage. Uh, they use the illusions to put on dazzling shows and plays and use the stealth and access to higher society to serve as spies and assassins. Hi, my name is Mark and I'm a bard. <laughs> they're just bards? They sound like, I guess they so, sound yeah. like glamour They're like bards. traveling troops and whatnot, but they're, they're actually spies and assassins. Like being an actor is just a ruse. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, isn't that isn't that a bard class? The glamour bard does that? Um, Something like that. There's a, there's an assassin bard. I can't remember which subclass it is, but it's not glamour. We're multi-classers, and um, one of them's bard. Right. Mark of Storm. This is a mark that gives its bearer an innate sense of the weather and even the ability to influence or control the elements. The half elven house of Lirindar is tied to this mark. They control the Rain Colors Guild that controls weather for its clients and has a monopoly on airship transport and used to have a monopoly on uh, ocean transport. But now they don't need that. because They fly in the air now. Uh, Hi, my name is Mark, and it's going to be sunny for the next seven days. I promise. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Finally, we have Mark of Warding. This mark is tied to the concept of stealing. It grants its bearer an intuitive understanding of locks and doors along with magical abilities to seal and protect objects. This mark belongs to the Dwarven House of Kundarak, which holds monopolies on prisons, locksmiths, and most importantly, banking. The security Ooh. of their banks are legendary, and they even provide extra-dimensional vaults to premium clients. Some Gringot shit right there. There are also things called aberrant dragon marks, marks with no category or established shape with unpredictable powers and effects. These marks have a tendency to be destructive and a danger to both its bearer and the people around them. An aberrant mark can appear on anyone, anywhere, at any moment, but are most likely to appear on a person born from the union of individuals from different dragon mark houses. Okay. Thus, it is forbidden for members of different dragon mark houses to marry or procreate. Because it'll make the aberrant mark so... Aberrant marks are very dangerous. Uh, People with aberrant marks are ostracized. Long ago, when aberrant marks were more common, aberrant mark bearers of great power caused mass destruction in Corvair. We're talking about people that could, like, accidentally or on purpose unleash plagues or destroy cities. Because the marks are giving you, like, the powers that are special to the houses and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. right? So then these aberrant marks can just do rando shit? They'll Mm -hmm. just, like, fucking, you'll start blasting fire? And the established marks are very creative in their endeavor. They make stuff or do positive things, technically. Um, aberrant marks almost always tend to be destructive in nature. So I know this is a like lore, like a like a history-focused episode, mm-hmm. but is there a statistical implement for marks in the Ebron book that I'm unaware of? Okay. So we were talking about like the mechanics of marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm about to touch on that right oh, now. Oh, great. <laughs> so the, t- uh, oh yeah, but... but Last thing on Aberrant Marks, the 12 houses united against and waged war on the Aberrant Marks. Um, this was known as the War of the Mark. Okay, um, so because these are basically like they serve as backgrounds for your player characters so, pretty much. 
there are both dragon marks and aberrant marks are things that players can have and and implement in their character. Um, aberrant marks are just a feat that you can take. Oh. And I'm, I don't have it on hand because I don't have the book on hand, but it's a feat that gives you like certain abilities and like a, a selection of spells and whatnot. The dragon marks are a new sub race for whatever race is tied to that mark. So let's say you're taking the mark of warding. Well, then you are a dwarf, but you don't take either the shield dwarf or a mountain dwarf sub race. Instead, you throw that away and you take the mark of warding sub race. Nice. And it's going to give you features that tie into your mark's ability. In this case, like you're going to get access to like sealing spells and protective spells. And uh, you're going to get features that have to do with that. A new specialization style. Like, yeah, it's because you're it's, not from a mountain or a hill. You're from this house. Exactly. So you get a whole new sub race that's going to give you. Usually it's going to give you a bunch of spells and it's going to give you like three features. Okay. And they're going to be tied into whatever it is. So like Mark of Storm, you're going to get lightning magic and thunder magic and weather control magic and a few features. So so having players with different marks in Mm -hmm. one party isn't necessarily bad because these houses seem like they work together to help Mm -hmm. each other. In a lot of cases, uh, yeah, there's a lot of synergy between the houses. Um, like mechanic, Mark I mean, there's is a lot of weapons cr- out and and is air, giving out airships and stuff. Say again, sorry, mechanic Mark. What's the one that gives out like the main house? Oh, uh, House Caneth is the industry one, the, the the creative one. Yeah, I've associated them by their their Mark leader, which mm-hmm. is probably not great a great idea. <laughs> no, that's going to get confusing really fast. But as we've just but there is a lot of com- competition between them as well. Uh-huh. But the fact is, they rule the fucking world and they do it together. Right. I- I'm um, definitely playing uh, a marked character in an Eberron setting. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's very tempting to. Yeah. But and, then you also have to work in the fact of like, if you are a marked character, chances are you are not the master of your own destiny because you are beholden to your house. Yeah. And I, I don't know the lore well enough, but if I was a get betting man, and I am, if I. Mark Storm dude goes rogue. All the other Mark Storm dudes are coming to fucking um, what's the word I'm looking? Neutralize, get him out. Neutralize you because you need to be part of the house or not exist. Exactly, you're out representing the house. Exactly, no matter where you are. If you're wearing that mark, you are a representative of this association. Which is it means like if you are part of a guild in regular D and D, and you start doing stuff against the guild, and you're in a game where you rely on the guild, Mm -hmm. that is bad news for you. And if your dungeon master isn't like I don't want to say the word punishing, but if they aren't, if they aren't um, implementing the lore, yeah. If you're not, if you're not implementing the repercussion, <laughs> the natural repercussions of doing something like that, you're yeah. missing out on a big chunk of something right. the game is trying to provide you. So I would like to do episodes um, in the future where we actually go over these sub races. Nice. There's just there's so much information. Yeah. I don't have time for all this. I mean, there's twelve of them. There's and this, twelve of them. This is a light and review. Technically, 13, I didn't look 14. into it, but they might have that thirteenth one. And you could be the you could be the like the lone survivor of the the nuke that went off or whatever. Right, right. But that I mean, not that that exists canonically. That could just be your your character's plot point. Or whatever. So we'll probably do. I think we could probably do four at a time per episode. So oh, that that's seems cool. like that seems like three episodes. Three episodes, and we'll go over all the marks because they're just sub classes so they're not going to be like super duper heavy lore on each yeah they're sub races but like we can go over them and their implications thank you for giving us a bunch of new like class <laughs> stuff to go over eberron oh yeah this is this is a book that's been a long time coming but uh one thing about this book is like let's we're moving away from just eberron and we're going to talk about the book specifically is remember all the the race episodes we just did well guess what they're all obsolete because for that's some on old data yeah well it they're all not came, obsolete they're they are mostly 
out, they're just become outdated. Like in the a way, the mechanics where, are yes. obsolete now because for some reason the official um, um, source book that they had, Wayfinders and Eberron, that just doesn't matter anymore. This new book's what? out. I know, right? They, they re- said they this was going to be the thing. They reset the universe. And they said they weren't going to come out with a physical book. And then they did. And they changed everything. And I don't know why. Maybe someone in the comments can explain it to me. But the Warforged is different now. The Changeling is different now. All the mechanics for all four of the races that we covered are different now. God damn it. They Raven Queen us again. So I will do um, like a, an episode where we just go over all those really quickly. Nice. Okay. <laughs> just to, to race and class episodes are back. So kind of. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. So um, in like really weird overview structure episodes. In all honesty, I only looked at the Warforge one uh, in depth and I will say like it's a better version in that it's like more balanced and less complicated. Sure. But it's like it's just it's just frustrating. I mean, I kind of like the idea of the one stop shop book so I don't have to like. Yeah, go through this it's book just and Volos what was and the point of Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron and all that work you put into that really massive PDF that people have been using for like two years and just throwing it away. Like, I just don't understand, but maybe that's wizards trying to put their stamp on it. Like, but they it, already have their stamp on it, but it wasn't a physical book. It was just yeah, a PDF. It was a PDF. Wasn't but they, it a live PDF? It was a live document. That's really cool. And, which is a cool idea. But they said like when they were done, they were probably going to go to hardcover. Yeah. Except for they didn't. And then they came out with this other thing and it has nothing to do with that thing. And I just don't understand. Well, it's not like it has nothing to do with it. It's just, it changed. It sounded like it changed so much that you definitely need to buy this book if you want to run the latest Eberron stuff. And that's yeah. a great selling point. So maybe that's why they did it. Sure. Maybe. I don't know. But let's get ready for long rest. Yeah. And <laughs> On that dour note. Let's... Uh, Wizards upsets me greatly a lot of times. So I don't know. But... They, they, they do work really hard on their products, but they do things for money. I think in this case, it sounds obvious to me that that's what's going on, which I can't like. But why do Wayfinder's Guide at all? Like, anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't know about the I don't know about the background like, on that. You had to know you were working on a book. I mean, I'm because a, you didn't just come out with a book. You had to have been working on it for years. It's just like looking from the outside in. It's really easy to be like, ah, you wizards people. But I don't really know what's going on there. And I know that there's a lot of hard work going on anyway. So I'm just like, I'm just like, I don't really know what happened. But it does seem suspect. In this it's case. just frustrating me when I'm trying to supply thousands of people with information and then that information gets shit on <laughs> the, well they're always wizards does break my ankles from time to time yeah. and the the unearth arcana is a good example because they just like yeah, i don't know maybe <laughs> that's right. all that means is like yeah i guess and that's fine he, with me here's something if you since you're clamoring for it right. is what it feels like well that's what unearth arcana is for it's for the the what ifs and the maybes and let's think about it but you came out with boyfriend's got a guide to Eberron and that was not an unearthed arcana you made that very very clear I would love to find out what really happened there because mm-hmm. I think it's deeper like obviously it's confusing mm-hmm. so there must be complex reasons why this happened probably so that being w- said if you guys know let us know we would love to know the background on that yeah absolutely we'll let's try get ready for a long it. rest though yeah. before we go I'm just going to encourage everyone to check out our um, D&D live campaign Super Quest Saga where I Dungeon Master and you our friend Jake and our friend Josh Freeland uh, sit down and we play Dungeons and Dragons in space with spaceships and aliens and all kinds of cool stuff and it's a lot of fun it's totally fun and when Will says you he means me and not the people listening to yeah. this but <laughs> you're gonna sit down with us too on Super <laughs> Tuesdays every other Tuesday and when I'm late <laughs> two Tuesdays in a row but every other Tuesday is supposed to be a live premiere uh, and by live premiere, it is not a stream. Um, we're working on that. 
it's complicated. We're thinking about it. We're learning about our cameras. We're thinking about that. But um, we, the the show is high production. Um, We are doing music and sound effects at times. And um, it takes a good amount of work from everybody involved. So um, that's going to be, basically we put it together, we upload it to YouTube and it airs on at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, what would that be like? Four East Coast time, um, and then no, no, ten o'clock or ten o'clock. Oh, whoops, I went the wrong way. Um, four o'clock Hawaiian time. Yeah, sure. Uh, anyway, at seven o'clock Pacific Standard Time every other Tuesday. Um, look at the upload date. I, mm-hmm. It's hard. We're recording in the future right now, so it's really hard to give you dates. Yeah, yeah I saw your brain turn. That's mm-hmm. how it is. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Um, and if you're a Patreon member, all the OST and like specific some sound bites but mostly just the ost gets uploaded to a playlist for electrum tier patrons that they can go check out my favorite um, song is here come the fucking space elves and that's, that's the title amazing. of the song and song. Uh, it's not the last time you're gonna <laughs> hear come, it i'm sure here come the fucking space elves because that's so how we, true that's how we feel as players here when they cut co- like oh god damn it here come the fucking space elves because they're space elves and they're evil spoilers for super quest saga <laughs> but like i said this is a spoiler based show complicated but yeah they're the baddies yeah they're the baddies uh so far um it's Really, really, really good. It's a lot of fun. Definitely check it out. Um, right. Check out our merch store. Um, check out our all our handles. Um, if you're looking for ads, um, you can find find us on the dungeoncast at gmail.com. Uh, we have ad space available. And thanks to all of our sponsors that are helping us out. And with that being said, I think we can call it a game. Peace. We'll talk to you guys later. Chicken grease. <laughs> Love. <laughs>